Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you that may be visiting or may not have been here in the last few weeks, we are continuing on our Lenten sermon series on the questions that Jesus asks. And many times we don't think about how many times Jesus actually asks questions. We think about a lot of the answers that he gives and a lot of the teaching that he does, but Jesus actually asked over a hundred questions. And the reason that he asks questions is he's trying to get us to look at ourselves, to look at our motives, look at our hearts, look at our faith, and think about why we do what we do. Do we really believe what we say we believe, what we say we embrace with our lives? Because a lot of times we pay lip service in so many different areas of our lives. And it's interesting because the prophets actually talk about this in various and sundry ways. They talk about people doing sacrifices in the temple, but their, their hearts really aren't in it. And Paul would follow up on this in his letter to the Romans by saying, a wonderful phrase that really depicts what the prophets were talking about. He said, not all Israel is Israel. In other words, that you can claim to be an Israelite by heritage, by ancestry, that you are a child of Abraham by lineage. But there's really no faith there. So what are you saying when you're a descendant of Abraham? Because he had talked about it earlier in his letter to the Romans, that really we're children of Israel when we're children by faith, that he's the father of faith, because that's what the Lord is really looking for. He's looking for people that walk by faith. And a lot of times, we don't. There's a lot of superficiality to people who claim to have faith, and it's not really there. And that's the follow-up. This passage in Luke's Gospel is the follow-up to what we've been talking about the last week or two. It's that a lot of times people are so superficial in how they live their lives by faith. That a lot of times we look around at people and we judge other people and we really don't take a hard look at our own lives. And that's why Jesus talked about the log in our own eyes and we're looking around at specks in other people's eyes. Because we're not really willing to look deeply at our own lives and our own faith. And are we really, when we say, Lord, are we really taking that lordship seriously in our own lives? Are we walking by faith in all that we do? You know, Jesus talked about knowing a tree by its fruit. And if you watch over time. The fruit of one's life, not just in a moment, but the fruit of one's life over time. What they do in their relationships, what they do in their character, what they do in their demeanor, what motives come out in their life. Over time, you will be able to pick up on who someone really is. 
the fruit of one's life. And it takes time for fruit to develop and grow and to blossom. And then there's the sweetness of the fruit that you can't even tell initially. How many in here growing up grew up around crabapple trees? How many in here actually ate crabapples? I remember being a kid. I don't remember exactly how old I was, six maybe, plus or minus. And we used to have, we lived at that point in my life, before we moved out to the suburbs, we lived on the edge of the city, and there were some woods around our house. And so when we'd walk home from school or we'd play during the summertime, you'd see these trees that looked, looked like apple trees, right? And sometimes you'd get hungry. And I remember one time we got hungry and we picked a bunch of what we thought were apples. And we ate a bunch of these apples. And we didn't feel well later. And we found out later that they were actually referred to as crab apples. And they actually turned bitter in your stomach. And it's interesting how the appearance looked like apples. But they really weren't. And it's interesting how even some apples can be somewhat sour and actually they can make good pies. But crab apples don't work. And so I learned about crab apples not in a really positive way. And now I know that tree by its fruit. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage as well. But he starts off by saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Now, why would he say Lord, Lord? Let's just stop there for a second. Most of the time in church, When we refer to Jesus, do we refer to Jesus as Lord, Lord? No. Don't we just say Jesus is Lord? Or we talk about the Lord Jesus. We don't say Lord, Lord, right? We just say it once, right? Why do you think Jesus was saying Lord, Lord? He was talking about a point of emphasis. Which if you know the way the Jewish mind works, anytime you repeat something, You're trying to make a point of emphasis. When Jesus did it, he would say, truly, truly, I say to you. Or if you want to go back to the King James, verily, verily, I say to you. In other words, this is a really important point, and I want you to pay attention. When in the course of our service, we do what's known as the Sanctus, we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. In other words, the Lord is ultimately holy. He's the pinnacle of holiness. There is no one more holy than the Lord. So we say it three times, thrice holy. You know, if you ever wanted to convince your parents that you were telling the truth and you really weren't, you would say something and you would see that skeptical look in their eyes like, I don't believe you. So you'd say it again. You'd say it twice, right? 
Well, that's why people would say it to Jesus. Lord, Lord. So Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I tell you. And not do what I tell you. Why would you do that? The reason you would do that is because your hearts aren't right. Your hearts aren't right. You're trying to convince me with that false sincerity. Which so many people do. They try to smooth it. They try to pretend they're listening. Pretend they're hearing. They try to dress right. They try to look the part. But the Lord's just not looking for outward appearances, for putting it on, for pretending. The Lord wants a heart that is given over to Him. Let me put it another way. When Jesus had his apostles in the upper room, he said, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me. So on the one hand, we're talking about someone who is the king. That's why we call him Lord. And if we really call Him Lord and we mean it with our hearts, what are we saying? That we want to be holy and completely submitted to Him if He's really the King of the universe. But let's take it a step further. Not only are we saying that He's the Lord with our hearts, we're saying that we love Him. And when we talk about this love as Jesus talks about love, loving Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the whole of our being, it's a double whammy. We're saying He's the King of the universe and we're saying that we love Him with the whole of our being. What we want to do what He tells us to do. That's what He's asking. Why would you do that? And then why would you pretend by saying twice? To try to get the emphasis across? That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for lip service. Jesus would say in Matthew's Gospel, later on from this parallel passage that we read from in Luke, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Same thing that Isaiah said. That we use flattery. Smooth words. But our heart's not in it. It's not what God's looking for. If you really understand what He did in order to be the Lord who sat at God's right hand, That He went to the cross out of love for us. That He was willing to submit 
wholly and completely, not only to be our model, but to lay down his life for us on the cross out of love for us because we're sinners in need of a Savior. Now, all of us want a Savior. That's the easy part. But we need a Lord. Because in and of ourselves, we mess up. And then he says, you need to build on a firm foundation. Not just accept Jesus as Savior. Not just even say and start off, I want you to be my Lord. But now build on the firm foundation. Now, many of us here in October just lived through Hurricane Matthew. Now, if you had built your house without a foundation... You'd be in trouble. Right? If you had built without a foundation, you'd be in trouble. And with the surge and the waters and the rain, if you had built your foundation on sand and not at least a slab, let alone build it up, you'd be in trouble. And Jesus is saying you need to build on a firm foundation. The foundation that is the rock. And Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He's the firm foundation. And so many people build on sand. Good intentions. Nice thoughts. Warm feelings. That's sand. That's not the firm foundation. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for temporary. That's not a firm foundation. We need the Word of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be hearers of the Word and doers of the Word. And build on that firm foundation. And not legalists. That's not what he's looking for either. The harshest words he had. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. They paid lip service in a different way. Their hearts weren't in it. They lacked the compassion and the care. Hearers of the word and doers of the word. That we learn what it means to take the word of God into our hearts and lives. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and transform us. And that we build on the firm foundation which is his word. So that when the floods come, the floods can be the trials and the tribulations and the temptations of this life. The flood can be the final judgment. That we don't have to worry about the floods because we build our lives on the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ.
And we don't have to worry. And only then, when we've built on that firm foundation, will we bear fruit. His fruit. James talks about it in a couple of different ways. He talks about bearing the fruit that is pure and peaceable. It's pure because it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the heart of the Lord. It comes from His grace. It comes from, from His holiness. It's pure and peaceable. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. And a harvest of righteousness. We're walking by the Spirit as we walk. That's what He's looking for out of our lives. As we begin to bear the fruit. And it's not bitterness. It's not bitter fruit. Which comes when we try to do life of our own strength. In our own power. That we're the own Lord of our lives. James contrasts that we do it out of selfish ambition. Instead of Jesus being the Lord of our lives, we are the Lord of our lives. Selfish ambition. The ambition is we want to be on the throne. And we live for ourselves. And the fruit that we often bear becomes bitter. Bitter fruit. And it's not the kind of fruit he's looking for. And it's not the kind of fruit that other people are looking for. And it oftentimes doesn't bless people. We live in a day of so much superficiality. Where we can fake so much of our lives. Because we're so busy and we're so fast and we're so much on the move. There's so much small talk. We have Facebook and Instagram. And instant everything. And you can put on who you want to be. And there's so much superficiality in faith. What does it really mean to be a member of a church? Really? What does it really mean to be a member of a church? What does it really mean to be a member of a church if you read the New Testament? As opposed to what a lot of people claim that it means today. Oh yeah, I'm a member of that church. And? I've even heard, you've probably heard this one too. I'm a Christian. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go. What's that mean? Scripture knows nothing of being disconnected from the body of Christ. Well, here's a good one. I'm spiritual. 
And the implication means what? Well, I believe in Jesus. And see, I don't know what that means. When I'm in one of my, I really want to confront people kind of moods, I get that way, you know? People tell me they're spiritual. I say, everybody is spiritual. Or if I really want to be obnoxious, Satan is spiritual. People don't like when I say that. We can be so superficial. We can pay lip service. What does Scripture talk about? That it means to be a member of a church connected to the body of Christ. It means that Jesus is the head. He's the Lord. It means that you're part of a vibrant, alive body. It means that you have gifts to share with the body. It means that there's a pulse running through you that shows itself in serving and giving and growing. That if Jesus is really the head, it means you're connected to this body. Just go to Acts chapter 2 when people were convicted to their hearts and wanted Jesus to be their Savior. And what does it say when they came to know Jesus as Savior? They immediately made Him their Lord and they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers. I talk about this in the new members class all the time. The apostles' teaching, they were in the Word of God, growing individually, corporately. Fellowship. Not like coffee. And cookies. And I even like wine and cheese. But the fellowship that we're talking about is intentional fellowship, small group discipleships, training, breaking of bread, Sunday worship, communion. And the prayers, they were praying with and for each other. Next paragraph. Signs and wonders were done in the church. In other words, people were ministering to each other. They were caring for each other. They were known in the community. Paul Safaldi said to me earlier, he's our outreach speaker. He's going to speak in a little bit. He said, St. Luke's is known in the community as reaching out, having an impact. But we only probably have about... 30% to 40% of our people really active and involved. We could have such an impact if everybody was really involved. 
if everybody was really here. In Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That people were intentional about reaching out to others for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. If we are calling Jesus our Savior and our Lord, our Lord, He's calling us to follow Him as our head. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will live under my Lordship. So the question, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you? Have you built your life on the firm foundation? Are you bearing the fruit, his fruit, a harvest of righteousness? Do you really know him as your savior and the depth of his love that he went to the cross for you? And if you do, do you really know him as your Lord? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when you told the parable of the sower, you talked about how the seed of the gospel Some just fell on rocky ground and never penetrated some hearts. And how some fell on shallow, superficial soil and had no root. And the plant withered and never bore fruit. And how some grew amongst thorns and the trials and temptations and cares of the world choked out the life of the plant, the faith. And how some fell into rich soil and grew deep roots and produced fruit. Lord, I pray this day. that this sanctuary would be filled with deep soil. That everyone here would know you as Savior, that the gospel has penetrated every heart and every life. That truly everyone here could call you Lord, not just with their lips, but with their lives. And that you would pour your Holy Spirit out in this place. 
that we might bear your fruit, good fruit, a harvest of righteousness. Especially as we move towards Holy Week and Easter Sunday, Lord. That we might reach out in your name. Lord, I pray that we would become ever more intentional about seeing you as our Lord. Moment by moment, day by day. Until we see you face to face. As the king on the throne. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.